to mention this when we're talking about the Undertaker's tan. So it dawned on me when I was watching that match, he's walking down to the ring quite slow, noticed instantly you can't help but see it. Great tan. Lovely old job. Not a surprise. He had a tan a lot. Meant to be from Death Valley right? Which is like the hottest place in America. How come he was so pale all those years? He was dead. And how was he so pale? He was dead. What, and now he's alive? Yeah, come on mate. Keep up. (laughs) Keep up. Fucking hell. Basically, he died. He was dead, right? And then he got yeah. killed again a couple of times whilst he was already okay, dead, yeah. right? Then he basically became American Badass and was brought back to life. So he's the American Badass. And then he was oh, a, yeah. a living being. And then got killed again by Kane. And then came back at WrestleMania 20 and he was dead again. But he was the undead like he was at the start of his career. It's, it's quite clear. It, it's quite <laughs> clear what's going on there, old man. I don't know what your problem is. So yeah. hang on. So he's died and come back that many times. And he's got he, the first thing he wants to do is go on a bloody town in bed. Wouldn't you? That's a fair point, actually. <laughs> yeah. So so basically it's this. He's dead, but he's not dead dead because he's still here, isn't he? Yeah. That's a right. lovely lovely reference that's gone straight over old man said that as it has. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Doesn't matter. Someone will get it.
and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review, and welcome to part two of our WrestleMania trilogy for this year as we take on an event that the three hosts of the show attended, and that was revealed to you, our listeners, two weeks ago by one of them when he watched the wrong event. It's WrestleMania 26. Those two hosts that I speak of are firstly, the Grand Valley of them all, Sam Carey. Hello, chap. Remembered your name from last week? Yeah. Um, and, did. and also the most disorganised man in the world is Tom Smith. Because yeah, Tom, yeah. we've had a bit of a we've had a bit of a thing to this today, haven't we? Yeah, I, I must admit, I thought the podcast was recording tomorrow rather than today. So I got a text about ten minutes ago saying, "Are you joining us?" And I was like, "I don't think Tinker Old Man are having an orgy today." So <laughs> they must be asking if I'm on the if I'm joining them for the podcast. Lo and behold, just double check the schedule. It is right. I was in the wrong, but I was very tired, so it's not my fault. Again, it's not my fault. Tinker should have warned me. That it was on a Monday this week rather than just we know that I don't check the schedule Tiki so, so for me once shame on me for me twice man's not gonna fool me again <laughs> as I said to old Matt in the 15 minutes or so that we waited for you to join the call I did say to myself oh I should probably message them and just say are we all still on for tonight but then I thought that would give you the chance to want to try and reschedule it and I was like I don't want to give you the chance to do that because that would be also <laughs> incredibly impractical so um, I didn't do that but that follows two weeks ago of course in which you watched the wrong show this show in fact that we're about to cover today and then last week when you demanded to be on the show even though it wasn't your week Having told us at the beginning of the year that you wanted, didn't want to do it every week. So, I mean, come on. Okay, Tiki, when you're as tired as I am, all bets are off, mate. All bets are off. Last night, I don't mean to boast, but last night I was only woken four times in the night by my baby. <laughs> We'll oh, um, just about what people who don't have children get tired as well. No, they do. No, they do. It's impossible. <laughs> There's nothing so holier than thou than somebody who's, who now knows something different. <laughs> yep. And it's one of, the, one of those things as well. Like we, so we were the first people in our NCT group to have to have our baby because uh, baby Shinsuke was born first. And the way that I was able to lord over my experiences of being a dad <laughs> to all the other people in the NCT group after like two weeks. <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such a cunt. Trust me, lads. Just put them down. Put them down. Don't know you hold them all the time. Put them down. <laughs> You'll only spoil them. Yeah. Um, before we get to all the good stuff, just a little periodical nod from me to ask for your reviews and ratings on the various podcasting apps that you're listening on. It shouldn't take especially long and will help us reach as many people as we possibly can. And if so you to... don't, we'll send Tom round to sodomize you all. But I might be about three days late. And he won't have the energy for it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, just a slow sodomizing. So we're talking about WrestleMania 26 today, um, but obviously there's a couple of things, first of all, before we get into that, that I want to quickly touch upon. First of all, the difficult and sad news that we don't really want to be happy to talk about, which is that uh, Scott Hall is, as we're recording this, currently on a uh, life support machine. We don't know what's come of that. Although Kevin Nash earlier this day, as we are recording, has said that um, that his life support machine is due to be turned off. But as I said, there's been no confirmation of that. So I thought we'd better touch upon it at the very least, given that we this will come out, you know, a week after that. In fact, a couple of weeks after that, because we've still got an episode which we've already recorded where we talk about him quite a lot, in fact. Mm. So I thought I'd better mention it. But that's very sad news, not something we wanted to have to talk about. Well, it is sad, isn't it? Because obviously I think people thought this was going to happen if few years ago and he seemed to have with ddp and his family's help got himself back together and it's just obviously uh he for people who don't know he went in for a hip replacement surgery and apparently unfortunately had three heart attacks after mm. which is just just terrible isn't it just really awful given what he's fought through 
all his addiction issues, which he's obviously been quite open about, to then get taken down potentially by that. It's horrible, isn't it? Well, also, um, we talked about last week, and we were all, all of us, including Matt, were at great, great pains to make sure that we gave Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, his due for his part in the ladder match that uh, took place at WrestleMania 10. But ironically, still went on to talk about how amazing Shawn Michaels was. But So I think it kind of bears to say again, once more, that uh, Razor Ramon more than held up his end of what was a pretty innovative and special match that, at, mm. as, at the time, as we said, won all of that year's Match of the Year awards, despite being on the same show as, you know, another absolute classic of a match. It's a really tough one to, to think about. How The thing that, that bothers me a little bit about Scott Hall's kind of career, really, is that I feel there's a little bit of a what could have been about him as well. Now, now admittedly, the Razor Moon character was amazing and the, um, obviously, the, you know, him and Kevin Nash jumping ship to WCW made massive waves and completely changed the entire wrestling industry. But there's always a part of me that thinks, and I remember saying this, I'm pretty sure on our very first show, Rumble 95, or at least an, uh, one there or thereabouts, how amazing he was, or is. I don't want to sound like, I, don't want, I feel like I'm almost eulogising him now, but uh, I don't. we don't know how it's going to go. So whilst we're in this position, it may as well say something nice about the man. And he was evidently, he was an incredible wrestler, very sound, great fundamentals, great storytelling, and he was massive and had the look. It just happened to be that he was always with someone who was bigger, who mm. invariably sized usually wins out in in the wrestling industry um he had the yeah charisma the just the ability to be a tremendous wrestler and, and i think about like the stuff i haven't seen the stuff as early in his career when he was in like a tag team with kurt hennig imagine what an incredible tag team that would have been back in the day as well phenomenal and as i said the wcw stuff i mean there's you know there's some pretty unsavory footage of him coming to the ring clearly inebriated which has kind of somewhat soiled his legacy slightly but especially for me as, as a fan of wrestling especially in the in the in the 90s and watching him as a Razor Ramon in, in WF, like he was one of my guys. And um, yeah, a great talent. And yeah, if he does pass away, which it unfortunately seems rather likely that he's going to be, he will have definitely left a massive mark on the entire wrestling industry. Indeed, well said. So just to bring us back up, uh, I will mention once more that we were at the WrestleMania that we're about to cover today, all three of us. I'm absolutely certain that periodically through the show, Tom is going to be bringing up various bits and pieces where you can see him and us on screen. Um, And I, I imagine what he's done. And, you know, if he hasn't done, he's going to be a massive disappointment to all of us. So I'm really sorry about this listener. But I imagine what he's done is he's catalogued every single appearance that he is on the screen, including the very second that you can see him on the video. So you can watch us on the WWE Network. And more importantly, Tom, see old man's face. Well, that was the thing. So this is something that's completely out of our control, isn't it? Now, I know old man's been very pro. We've done, he's gone to great ends to ensure that he his his cloak of anonymity. Is that the word? word? Anyway, <laughs> his cloak of anonymousness is um is, is, is upheld. And I'm going to point out to the listeners at that point exactly the place where you can see him. That being said, I haven't done it with every time we're on screen because we're on screen fucking loads. But there's a couple, two in particular, that I will very much point out as we as we get to them. What I'm very proud of. <laughs> I'm pretty certain I know which of those uh, we're talking about. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess we, we usually do a little topic and I wanted to kind of pick out that thing, which is going to a WrestleMania. And so a couple of things. A, is it any good? And B, would you do it again? So, uh, old man, why don't you start us off there? Well, it's great. Like, it's great. Like, we went for 25. So we had um, a companion on each that we went to. So it was quite a different experience in Texas because it was very boozy. But uh, 
also, um, and we commented on this at the time, like uh, Houston didn't seem to get into the spirit <laughs> of WrestleMania at all, which was quite odd. And then when we went to Phoenix, there was a sign in the airport, lovely 70s style airport. And then there was just lots of nods to it. But we also went to Phoenix as part of a WrestleMania package deal. So we were in a hotel that was specifically hosting people that were going to WrestleMania. But uh, I would recommend it. But I probably wouldn't do it again. Is that because of age now or because of money or because of the fact that you've done it and it, you kind of feel like you've done it now and you don't need to do it again? I feel like we had two of the greatest WrestleMania matches that you could wish to see, both incredibly iconic. And we also saw The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at, uh, <laughs> at WrestleMania 26. But to be honest, I feel like what would be the point? There's no one that would make me want to go now, I don't think. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. Fair enough. Thomas? Uh, yeah, WrestleMania is definitely worth going to as a wrestling fan. Both times we, went, we both had it, We all three of us, I can safely say, had an absolute blast, especially if you can go away with people you get on with as well as you do. I mean, I wouldn't want to go on my own. And I, I disagree. I'll take a little bit of a dispute about that. The second trip on, man, it was quite boozy. They're always quite boozy. Um, well, because yeah. They, because it's lads, isn't it? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're completely right about the, the difference in kind of feels for the WrestleMania in regards to the cities. Um, there was a great time both times really fun the second time i think we were in the the, the problem with the first time when is that we were split weren't we 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 weren't all sat together so me you me you and i old man sat and watched it at one part and you and 40 went to watch it in a different part of the arena didn't you all with good seats but unfortunately there was a split whereas in the the rest of it we're about to watch we are next to each other the entire time and we had an absolute belt in time watching it um i would recommend it to any wrestling fans in terms of going back don't know if i'd go back to wrestlemania but i would definitely go to the stakes to watch another pay-per-view if the right circumstances called upon it smaller one bit more of an intimate well, not an intimate arena because there's still gonna be like 20,000 people there but like a smaller arena maybe a rumble or, or a summer slam or a money in the bank or something like that with it that would be quite fun to go to uh, whether or not i will i don't think i will unfortunately but i would be up for it maybe when shinsuke nakamura reaches you know 15 or something who knows well exactly exactly she will be wrestling she watches a lot of wrestling <laughs> yeah i bet i bet uh yeah i i think um it was great i think the interesting thing i know what you mean when it comes to the way it felt like when we got into phoenix the airport kind of had a big sign saying welcome wrestlemania fans and all that stuff but i wonder whether or not that was partially due to the fact that we arrived i think on the thursday night or friday morning before the wrestlemania for that yeah. one Whereas the previous year, we arrived like the Tuesday, I think, before mm. the WrestleMania. And I wonder whether or not Houston might have done something similar on the day that WWE booked all their flights. Because, again, I'm just presuming that most mm. of the flights that were coming over for official WWE fans were happening on that one day. And so, you know, they they were kind of they put those banners up, especially and maybe WWE even paid to do it so they could, could be like, you know, welcome and all that stuff. So I don't, it's difficult to it's difficult to judge. And I think, to be honest, the first time we went, because we had the May, all the big shows at the end, of our trip it was better because it built you up to that whereas i felt a little bit like the second time we were hanging around a bit um we... but we did find that amazing mexican restaurant the last night where they were showing smackdown Smack. and uh, we had a lovely little time in there and we went to that italian restaurant and that fecangle cake thinking <laughs> was that year was that year two was it i can't remember yeah that. Yeah, anyhow wrestlemania 26 what were our expectations we've all seen this show before tom why don't you tell why don't you give us your hopes and fears as you like to call it <laughs> hopes and fears well my you know what my fear is don't you it's watching brett <laughs> that's the fear right at the beginning and my fear was getting a bad neck 
standing to the side to watch it like I did. The hopes, well, Shawn Michaels Undertaker, you know, it's going to be amazing. It's, a, it's an amazing match, which we'll get on to. It, that was the main thing. I, I realised that I don't think I've actually watched the show in its entirety since. I've definitely watched matches and I've watched moments specifically to find us in the crowd and to watch that that main event again. But I couldn't remember much of what happened on some of the other matches. So I was actually quite looking forward to refreshing my memory. I might say, Tom, I realised halfway through this that I've not watched this in a sitting. Well, I've not watched it from start to finish since we went, which I was kind of sure that I hadn't. And I thought there was probably a reason why I hadn't done that. To be honest, I was concerned that this was going to be a one match card and the rest of it was going to be pretty awful. I can remember Cena Batista being a good fun time. But the rest of the stuff, I was a little bit like, well, I don't know about this. But I was excited because I knew we'd get to talk about it. Well, the first thing I had to do when I was watching it this time was to find us in the crowd so that I didn't have to find us again after that. Mm. Because I knew that would be a massive distraction, as I'm sure it ended up being for Tom, as the show went on and he catalogued all the times that you see, you see old man's face on screen. But I do also agree, I don't think I've seen it since we went the only things that I can remember about the show in terms of having watched them again afterwards were the bits that Tom showed me to show us on screen. <laughs> and that's it. I can't. I had it on DVD. I'm pretty certain I never watched it on DVD. I've not, never watched it on the network. I am pretty certain I have not watched this show or any part of it at, since we went other than the bits that Tom has shown me because he wanted to show us being on screen. But like you, old man, I was like, there's got to be a reason for that. And I think the reason is, is that I've never been interested in watching it again because i don't necessarily think it's amazing but who knows and i i knew at the very least that we were going to get Shawn michaels versus undertaker and i had good memories of that match being something that was very very special so maybe all the show needed was that one match to make it really good but we'll find out so talking points for the show and you know what this time i'm not going to go first i'm going to let somebody else go first i don't mind either of you can go first though no no issue but i thought why didn't why didn't somebody else take the lead i'm not going to go for the obvious i'm going to go for the jericho edge match this is a match that i wasn't particularly excited about watching back because i can remember the very end so what happens after the match and I don't remember anything from the match. So we need to place this in the card. So this is after Bret Hart, Vince McMahon. I found this very odd watching this because you've got Edge, who'd come back at Royal Rumble. I think Tommy has mentioned this before. Face Edge is a bit, uh, bit up and down anyway. Gets zero reaction. Jericho comes out, gets zero reaction. And I'm like, fucking hell, what's going on here? And then they're going through the match. And the first, like, I don't know, three, four minutes of the match, no one makes a noise. Like, if one of us farted, I think you could have heard it. And the commentators are even, like, just kind of going through the motions. Match striker is in full... I'm going to just say statements that have no place in the commentary because he'd evidently been fed the lines that he had to say at certain points through the card. And it was all just all a bit eerie, like watching this match. It does kick up because I I actually think the match is all right, but it's quite awkward to watch because no one's interested in it at all. There's a spot where Edge goes for a spear, and it's then into a code breaker, which works lovely. Pops the crowd, and then um, Jericho like kind of goes to do the spear, and the crowd kind of wake up. But the finish, I can't remember it sinking. I, I had it in the head, and then I've lost, lost track. So basically what happens is Jericho hits Edge with a title belt after an errant elbow to the referee, and then Jericho hits another code breaker and gets the pin. That's right. Thank you very much. 
much professional. And um, it's a really flat end to a match. And it made me think so. And there's a few of these on this card, but this one in particular. I was like, what was the point? What was the point in it? And also the placement of it, I think, just killed it from the start. Because we'll obviously talk through Bret Hart and Mr. McMahon's match. The last four minutes of that just completely kills everyone, I think. Like, I know where we were there. Like, it was quite a tough recovery period after that. So you needed, like, the Money in the Bank match or something. Just something to pop everyone. But I thought this was just really odd and interesting to watch back. And to know that I not imagined in my memory how this was. And I found it a bit sad, to be honest, because they're guys like I like Edge. I like a bit of Edge. I think this was Jericho in one of his better periods, I think. And they just get absolutely nothing from anyone, including us, because we were there. So we can't blame everyone. Although there is a lovely shot of Tinky properly giving the spirit shouts <laughs> at one point. And I was like, fuck out, we, we, we must have got caught in the moment, because I remember hating that whole thing mm. with the spear chant. Absolutely terrible. But yeah, just very odd. I think my memory of that, and just generally with it being in the crowd. And I did see myself quite regularly fist bumping and kind of chanting and whatnot. Mm. And I thought, you know what? I think what we did and we always will have done and always would want to do is try and make the best of it no matter what. And yeah. I think I remember specifically during the Cena Batista match, us getting very, yeah. very involved because yeah. we just wanted to make the best of something that we weren't that interested in. And so I think, again, this happened here. And don't get me wrong. I think that's one of the big reasons why this match didn't have much of a... Um, reaction is the spear they're just the concentration on the spear like the whole build-up video is them going spear spear mm. spear and you're like fuck off like it's just so bad so bad i remember we were watching we were we were all living together at the time yeah. and i remember watching it would have been like a saturday morning when they showed smackdown on sky one and i remember like the three of us i think sat there watching it and just him doing a, and he just kept saying spear all the time. Edge kept going spear, 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 every time. And it was so irritating. I wanted to throw an actual spear at him. That had taught him a lesson. This match, I mean, the way you've described it, old man, to be honest, is this podcast's kind of that sums it up with what our general opinion of both of these guys is, really. Or it's certainly mine and Tinky's anyway. Now, I must admit, I've got more time for Jericho than I do Edge. And that there's these little bits. Right at the beginning, Jericho gets gets uh, Edge in a headlock. And he says to the referee, ask him as if he's going <laughs> to tap out from a headlock in the first like minute of the match. <laughs> Lovely stuff. This is the moment where listeners pay attention. Because I know you're not. I know you're mucking around. You're doing the washing up. You're running the vacuum around. We're doing some kind of nonsense stop doing what you're doing and listen to this bit this is the moment where you see us so clearly the three of us so it's when uh edge and jericho are in the ring so this is edge chris edge chris jericho and tony chimmel tinky's hating life <laughs> um and I've, no but i've fallen asleep so it's all right <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. and what what happens is he says the rated r superstar and his like voice cracks edge then it cuts to chris jericho and when the camera cuts to chris jericho you can clearly see us in the background so tinky's got his camera out he's, he's one of the old like a digital camera he's taking a photograph or something probably a stick then an uh, old man goes yeah at seemingly nothing as far as i can tell and then i obviously realize that we're on the camera and I barge old man out of the way and do the old Eddie Graham double hand wave at the screen and you can see us all so clearly and that is why I am this week's MVP <laughs> you know what 
not even joking. I've already written that the MVP is us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm going to change that now because you've done it. Not only are you doing the Eddie Graham double wave, but you're also pulling the face at the yes, same time. Yes, exactly. And, and also, I don't know why I was thinking to myself, I'm like, why am I wearing a black polo shirt with a yellow trim? <laughs> it's a very un- unusual. I don't know why I'm wearing that. I think I've ever worn that before or after. <laughs> a special WrestleMania polo shirt. <laughs> um, Wait, you've got a special WrestleMania polo shirt? Where'd you get apparently, that? Apparently so. Apparently so. I have no idea. But the, the match itself is it's a bit, yeah, it's just a bit. I've got basically one of my notes is the match is really plodding until Edge kicks out from the belt shots, which is we've just established is the finish. So it's 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 not a great match. The spear table spot at the end is, is really cool. Because I can remember, I think that was one of the first times we'd seen anything like that. Someone going through like that timekeeper's area. And I'm watching it and watching the table kind of rattle as Edge runs across both tables is quite like, well, I'd be terrified about rolling an ankle or something like that at that stage. But yeah, it's it's not a great match and it is weird. And I think the placement of it after the Bret Hart versus Vincent Mann match doesn't doesn't help it at all. It's not a match that you would expect from two very experienced hands in the ring at a big event. So basically what I really wanted to say, and it was unfair, but what I really want to say is a couple of pretenders, these two, bunch of fakers, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Everyone thinks they do, and this is the evidence. But I think there is some mitigating circumstances. As I say, they are following up the Bret Hart Vince McMahon match, which is, well, we'll get to it. The fans are just dead. And I think the build has not helped them at all. I mean, we just said spear, spear is all it was. Also, I think... In fairness, I've got a big problem with the continuity here because Edge and Jericho are a tag team before Edge gets injured. He then gets injured. And because Jericho said some bad things about him, we're expected to cheer Edge, even though before he was a heel. Now, for me, you've got to give us a reason to cheer for him. You've got to make him heroic in some way and and give us a reason to cheer for him other than one of the bad guys has started going up against him. That doesn't make him a good guy. That just makes him someone that even the bad guys dislike. So I, <laughs> that I just... That much of a prick. Yeah, exactly. So I just don't like that. I think that's bad storytelling. I think that's bad psychology. I think you've just got to give us a reason to like him other than always come back in a surprising way. Um, That's just lazy. But yeah, it's not very good. And I think I will criticise Jericho and Edge because despite the fact that they follow the Brett Vince match, there's a reason, as you said, old man, why have they why have they put them here? That's really you know, that's really hamstrung them. But they've been put there because they're expected to be able to overcome that. The, these are two guys that the the company themselves think can overcome that, can follow what came next. Whatever whatever the reaction to what was going to happen previously, and it could have been, you know, I, I don't imagine they went out there out of their way to make people react in the way they did to Brett Vince. So they might have thought it was going to be a really big reaction, but whatever the reaction was to it, Edge and Jericho should have been able to follow it. that was their logic they're supposed to be effectively this is the workers match of this show really and they don't live up to that at all it's a okay match but completely forgettable really and interesting one that because i'm glad you brought that because it was on my list of things potentially to pick pick if you guys didn't pick it what i couldn't understand and i couldn't really understand this at the time when we watched it why didn't Jer- uh, why didn't edge just hit a spear straight away and then like have jericho roll out the ring or something so that he doesn't just pin him straight away mm. and then it's done 
it's fucking done. You've done the spear thing. Oh, it was nice. it was lifeless. It was lifeless. And it's yeah. it's a match on the biggest show of the year. So you know, I, look, put it this way. Let's say, for example, you're on a house show. You come out, the crowd's lifeless. And you're like, what can we do to get these people interested? Like, what can we mm. do? And it's probably very, very difficult to do anything to get them interested. This is WrestleMania, lads. Mm. Like, I know the crowd are dead, but it's WrestleMania. You can do something here. People are waiting to be entertained. They are. They do want to get into this, as you can see from me cheering Spear at the top of my lungs. <laughs> but they don't do anything. You're like, you've just all you've done is work the exact match you were going to work, regardless of the reaction. Like, you mm. can you're supposed to be the people who can respond and figure out a way to get the crowd into it and they don't and it's piss poor from that perspective i also obviously i'm a, a big disliker for stuff after matches the spear through the timekeepers area is amazing it's absolutely brilliant it's a horrendous bump by jericho as well really rough this isn't wrestlemania after match stuff this should be either during the match i know they wouldn't have made it no dq because the main event is but this should be the rule before or something but the, that, the that they're doing that that wouldn't have needed to have been a no dq i don't think you, they could have done that in the match it would have been fine because mm-hmm. he's not setting him up to he's not like he's put a table up and put yeah. him through that or anything it's going through a piece of the scenery so mm. yeah it, it's just it's not very good it's, it's like an apology after the match that's what the bump is it's like an apology mm. it's a sorry that match was really shit after this as a as a consolation mm. that's what it feels like so tom what did you want to spotlight i don't know if i should say <laughs> do you know what let's get this get it out let's get it out of the way fair enough i got the opportunity in this pay-per-view to watch my hero in a wrestling match something i never thought i would ever have the opportunity to do to see the great the one and only bret hart in a wrestling match and i did get that in the end but it's one of the most depressing things i think i've ever seen i mean the video package and the build to it is is pretty good. I'm doing my fucking Jerry Lawler sad voice, aren't I? The <laughs> the I remember staying up to watch to watch the episode of Raw that he came back on. We yep. we all stayed up. We stayed up together and watched it. And he came back and then they did the swerve ending with with the, the Vince kicking him in the old love spuds and. <laughs> And and it be like oh well there we go and then it obviously very rapidly turned into oh this is this is happening this match is happening and the angle is actually quite fun like the fact that in the angle Bret Hart plays possum with the broken leg with John Cena helps him in the in the get out of the car with his broken leg and everything it's all quite fun and there's there's an amazing visual in the build up which is Vince McMahon yelling screaming at Bret Hart into in his in and you see his reflection in Bret Hart's aviators which is which is really cool but the match is so bad it's starts off on a bum note literally with Bret Hart's music because his music's changed slightly and I'm not a fan of it in this at all he comes out he's not in great shape bless him and and the things I mean he's gone through some terrible health issues at this point so you know what I mean it's fair enough then obviously Vince is out there as well then he brings out the Hart family they're all there Bruce is there being a cunt as usual with his <laughs> aviators on um, and they're all kind of there and the storyline is that he's paid them off they're going to be the, they're going to be all against him and to some extent it's quite nice because obviously Tyson Kidd and, and Natty and um, and uh, Harry Smith are, are all there and they're kind of like kind of giving a bit of a rub I guess by virtue of being involved in the match but then obviously it turns out the blood's thicker than water etc and then they are actually on the side and it's just an awful match of punches a few kicks there's they get a chair out at one point Bret Hart's so puffed he has a little sit down um <laughs> on the chair he gets the chair and rather than using it he sits down it's just really really sad it's a really sad spectacle and it goes on for ages it's so long it needs to be 
four minutes tops. But it goes on for over 11 minutes. And at one point, King says, this is hard to watch. And it's the most <laughs> said he's ever said on a WWF microphone. It is awful. That being said, it's a cracking sharpshooter that he put that he whacks on <laughs> It is an absolute fucking beauty. And he properly yanks it back and, and it's and it's is a great sharpshooter. So at least I got that. But it is it's awful. And this is where my fear is around the potential you know, the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin is, is gonna be at WrestleMania, probably in probably in a segment, I think, rather than an actual match. But this is where my fear initially came from when when thinking about that, because this is is not good at all and and when you got Bret Hart in the ring arguably the greatest technical wrestler of all time the greatest wrestler of all time and Vince McMahon's bumping for him and being being the being, being the workhorse in the match then you're like oh this is not good at all I'm sad yeah it's hard to argue with any of that I mean we watched last week possibly a couple of us said the best match ever certainly that means that if we felt that that it's the best match we feel in Brett's career and then we watched this which is undoubtedly the worst match of his career and I think if I'm honest possibly one of the worst matches I've ever seen like the 11 mm. minutes that this match happens and I've got some conspiracy theories around this as well, to be honest. This is why you need to build the heat on the bad guy. And he uh, and he needs to get some offense in. Because within he doesn't get any offense here. Brett has the entirety of the match. Not even a punch does Vince get in, basically. Um, because I'm assuming that his Lloyds of London insurance policy wouldn't have allowed him to take any bump or anything. Not even sell a punch or sell a kick or anything. If it had just been punch and kicks, but it had been back and forth, it would have probably been fine. We've seen Vince do this in matches with Hogan, in matches with Ric Flair, in matches with his own son, Shane. He can have wildly entertaining, no holds barred matches. But here, where we're supposed to, Brett's supposed to be the sympathetic guy who's been screwed over, just having him have 11 minutes of offense and no response just doesn't work at all psychologically it is all over the place it's completely fucked it's completely destroyed and that is the biggest problem here and by the end jerry laura sits saying things as you said like oh this is hard to watch but he's saying it in terms of oh you know vince has just been beating the hell out of this is quite hard to watch it almost puts mr man back over it almost gets you feeling a little bit sorry for vince because he's just taken all this punishment and part of me thinks that brett would not have agreed to do this match this way if he hadn't felt that what mcmahon did to him was so bad that it didn't matter how much offense he got on on Vince McMahon because he deserved it all and I think he sees the thing that happened at Montreal and any other slights that took place afterwards as being so bad that no matter what happened in the ring everyone would still be with him 100% and right behind him and you know, cheering him on every single punch every single kick every single chair shot every single hit with the wrench that he does during the 11 minutes and by about four minutes they're not they're kind of like okay well good you've done it now can we just go home even to the point where it goes for the sharpshooter it goes to go for the sharpshooter about five six minutes in and everyone's like yes okay this is the moment we just want you to put the sharpshooter on vince get him to tap out great doesn't do it goes back stops himself from putting the sharpshooter on and carries on the beat for another five minutes and it's almost an audible groan when he doesn't put the sharpshooter on like oh what are you doing just end this now it's ridiculously bad i think it's a consequence of yeah obviously brett not being able to take any you know not being able to go on the defensive at all i also though question 
again, this is why I think is that I've got a bit of a conspiracy theory about this. I think Mr. Vince McMahon did this as a way to put it to bed, the whole thing, to stop anyone ever worrying about him being screwed or him screwing Brett, sorry, because I think he put that ahead of making this a good match. And Vince McMahon knows how to get a good match out of himself. We've seen it time and again. And if he's had any concern about the match being good, he would have got anybody else involved to make sure it was. He'd have had kind of people in, in interfering. You know, I don't understand why Vince McMahon didn't get other you know, lesser members of the roster to come out and almost be the counterpoint to the Hart family. So then you've got all this stuff going on outside the ring, all these distractions where both, mm. you know, both are fighting back and forth. Any distractions, anything. Put Vince at a table. Do something, you know, that's not just basically 11 minutes of beating the guy up in the middle of the ring. And I, and so I just think that he didn't want to make it a good match. He wanted to basically have Brett punch himself out to the point where no one would ever feel sorry for him ever again because he's just added 11 minutes. Of, and I know it's fictional. I know this is fictional. But when you have, you know, when I, when I say you, I'm talking about Brett. When you've decided that you're going to dramatize this now into, a, into this scenario, you lose the high ground about turning into a story scenario so yeah for me it's a it's a very bad bit of business and entirely from brett you're right though about the concern it gives me for austin and i think also austin should very seriously consider Shawn michaels and his kind of coming out of retirement um, a couple of years ago and consider the undertakers constantly coming out of retirement and messing himself up and not being able to retire because he didn't want to retire on a bum note whilst at the moment it appears like it's just going to be an angle between austin and owens there's nothing to say that on the night they might not do a three four minute match if they do they've got to make sure it is three or four minutes they've got to make sure that they have rehearsed that thing beforehand they've got to make sure that they have i think possibly talked it through with one or two very experienced hands to make sure that they've they're doing the right thing when they do it it's got to be one of those sort of really super managed moments like warrior versus hogan was at wrestlemania 6 for example where pretty much they know exactly what they're going to do and exactly how it's all going to go beforehand not like wrestlemania 3 though where hogan has constantly said that he didn't know if andre was going to do the job i didn't know I didn't know. I didn't know until he until he whispered in my ear, Slan. And then I knew. And I knew, brother. Fucking cunt. Anyway, it's the matter at hand. Um, Turned into a shoot on Hogan. Yeah. yeah. So the video is incredible. Mm. The video is obviously the best thing about this. There's no doubt about it. The video is probably, outside of the main event, the best video they do, I think, on the card. Admittedly, standards aren't very high on this, I find, with the like pre-match videos. Um, yeah, this is crap, isn't it? This is terrible. And I'm glad that you mentioned this, Tinky. When Brett goes to put the sharpshooter on, I was like, you know what? This was nothing like as painful as I remember. And then when he doesn't do it, I'm just like, oh, come on. Is that where the bollocks went up? Yeah, they almost came out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it was just... um. Uh, so we get what we want in inverted commas in the in the crowd like we get Vince getting his comeuppance Brett is fucking walloping those chair shots in it must be said he is fucking leathering him with him and speaking of leathering Natty slaps mm. on Vince outside the ring fuck me I felt it was it 12 years later she absolutely kills him but the thing that I like about this is that his whole family's there. And that's why I can't hate it, because he gets the moment. And you can see it, you can see how important it is for him that his family's there at the end, because he's so eager to get them in to the ring. I'm kind of happy that he got that moment, Brett, because 
this must have been agony for him to do. Like, this must have been absolute agony. And it wouldn't surprise me if the reason that he kind of agreed to it was that his family could be there. And it wouldn't surprise me if another reason that he agreed to do it was that they would put his dad into the Hall of Fame, which they obviously did the night before. So there's a lot of, like, like you kind of touched upon, I think there's a lot of, like, skullduggery going on around the match. But... I think the fact that his family's there means that I didn't shoot myself. <laughs> and I don't have a gun either. But wow. I would have, yeah, I would have probably got a little potato peeler that I've got and peeled my foreskin off <laughs> if his family weren't there. And it hadn't, we hadn't have had that like three or four minutes where they all get a fucking punching on him. And I didn't mind that bit. But as soon as he goes for the sharpshooter, and I think he's told as well by Vince to continue because he proper like steps into it. And then I think Vince must be like, ah, carry on, carry on, yeah, yeah, carry on. And then they do. And then it hurts. Mm. even if he did i think again that just for me that would just bake into the idea that vince sees this as an opportunity mm. to just it's like it would be like actually the analogy i will use will be so niche that not many people will get it but there's a there's an episode of the west wing in season six or seven i think it's seven where oh, i'm back where, where basically the republican candidate has basically found himself in the midst of a nightmare because a new nuclear power plant has melted down and he it turns out he was massively involved in getting it to be opened in the first place and he basically goes out in front of the press and has a press conference where he just literally answers questions until the press have got no more ammunition to fire at him and basically changes the direction of the story because it's all been against him all the way through and then he just takes this press conference takes every question stands there for two hours and they've got nothing else to level at him anymore they can't they can't there's no more news and, and, and this is what it felt like it was like this was vince doing that which was I'm just going to take the all the pounding until everyone's like, okay, we're done. There's nothing. There's nothing more to level at you. There's nothing more. You you know you've you've been buried in this match. I think the build up is so the build up video is excellent. I thought the video was really really good. The build up itself though, I remember it making Brett look a little bit silly. And admittedly, overall, when you see the whole, it doesn't look make him look silly because they do a great great job with the video in telling that story. But actually, week to week, I felt it made him look quite silly. Like the first time they get in the ring together, they shake hands. Brett like trusts him and then he kicks him in the knackers. And like that felt that made him look a bit silly, I thought. Then he does the bit where, you know, he gets kicked by Brett when he's got the crutches. Uh, sorry, he gets kicked by Vince when he's got the crutches. And again, it like on that particular occasion, I was like, I, I know we're building something here, but still <laughs> it just doesn't just doesn't look right. So, yeah, I just I've got, I've got a lot of issues with the match and not least that it's terrible and also that the first thing after we see an, an advert for wrestlemania 27 in the host city atlanta and then immediately following that match striker says folks we continue to thrill you mm. <laughs> that's what he said next and that was leading into chris jericho versus edge so he, well, i don't know what he was talking there but uh some <laughs> some troubling um, psychosis that Matt Stryker was going through at this time. Well, this the, this is his whole thing through the whole show. He's just, he's a fucking soundbite to the point where I actually felt sorry for him <laughs> because he, the lines that he says are obviously laid out for him and Vince must be like, say line nine. He's like, Thank you, gentlemen. Uh. <laughs> like I said before, back on Lucha Underground, he was all right. Matt Stryker is the lead commentator. Absolutely, absolutely passable at the job. Just clearly did not work in WWE. 
the ref. Okay. Like how absolutely passable is infinitely better than he is in WWE. <laughs> <laughs> so it's my turn to pick something about the show. I don't, I don't know whether to go with the obvious thing or not. I'm tempted to go with a with a sort of strange shout, but let's do it. Let's we've had some we've had some we've had the bad. We've had the very, very bad. Let's go to the main event. Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, a match that was one year in the making, I guess, ultimately after their WrestleMania 25 clash. It's a 24-minute contest. It's the no-disqualification streak versus career match, and it sees The Undertaker win the match after a tombstone, uh, after Michaels drags his thumb across his his throat as he looks into The Undertaker's eyes, and The Undertaker tombstones him for the victory. It's not a tombstone, Tinky. It's a fucking tombstone that gets him with because yeah. my god my god we'll get to it but my god so i wanted to pull this match out for a, a number of reasons first of all it's my match of the night which probably i'm assuming going to be yours too unless one um, of you loved bret hart versus vince McMahon. well funny you say that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> do you know do you know what like i i think if this match wasn't so good despite the fact that i just spent you know god knows how long moaning about it i'd probably have to because it's the only time i'm going to see bret hart in a match but this match obviously pips it for match tonight just it's also Shawn Michaels last match in very commas but it's not obviously because he's now since come out of retirement which was very very disappointing because we thought we'd seen it we thought we'd seen mm. his very last one um but in fairness I think we can pretend that so that later match didn't happen because it was such a- uh, until this year with the elimination chamber I've always counted the the Saudi shows as like pre-season friendlies they don't really count they're not canon so <laughs> I don't and I've never watched any of them so in my mind, never happened. The idea that there's a cannon in WWE is a tremendous shout there, Tom. I think they left that behind many, many years ago. I know they did, but I didn't. Ah, that's fair. Which is why I get so upset when they completely ignore the cannon that they don't acknowledge and only I think about. <laughs> I think, to be honest, I think the wrestlers think of the Saudi Arabian shows as not being canon as well, because I think that's probably the only reason Shawn Michaels allowed himself to do it, was he's like, well, it's not really part of the actual... It's not, it's not a real show. It's just a fake thing that we're doing on the side. And then the third reason I wanted to bring it up is I don't think it's quite as good as I thought it was. So I do think it's a very good match. I do think it's the best of the night. I do think it's, you know, a good eight out of 10, certainly. You know, I, I so that's very high praise because I don't give that many matches that high. Don't think it's a great match. I think it's an absolutely legendary match. I think it kind of gets that. There's this thing where which I find happens a lot in films as well but wrestling in particular where some people like to be contrary and say the second match is better than the first or that the sequel is better than the first one it's not it's not better than the first one (laughs) and it's 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 good it's very 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 good it's just not absolutely brilliant it struggles i think in some ways because of the previous match you know i think that previous match there's five minutes of that match and then it's just drama all the way this is 15 minutes or so of a match where it's trying to hit those levels of drama but not quite doing it because no one ex- no one can imagine it will end so early after what happened the year before and so they have to do more to hit the heights to hit the dramatic heights and they don't get there soon i like the end I do think the end is done very, very well. And I think there's two ways you can read it as well, which I think is really cool, which is one, the Undertaker tombstones him, Shawn Michaels kicks out, and then the Undertaker sort of drags him to his feet. That Shawn Michaels is defiant in the face of the Undertaker and saying, you know, you, you, you'll never keep me down. Or the other one is that he's saying, finish it. I'm done. Just finish me. I think you could read it either one of those ways. And so I think that makes it even more impressive. I think it's, that's a great bit of work, great bit of art. But as for the overall, don't think it's 
as good as the previous year. And I don't think it's quite as good as I had originally believed it was. I still liked it a lot. Still thought it was very good. But mm-hmm. but I was, it basically I had a high, a very, very high standard to reach if it was going to be as good as I thought it was and it wasn't quite there. I was anticipating thinking, being a bit disappointed with this. Okay. Because this is the one match that I've definitely watched since we went. And I remember thoroughly enjoying it. And it's absolutely brilliant it's impossible not to compare the matches impossible mm. because especially they the commentators won't uh, won't let us forget that and they also won't let us forget that there's over 70,000 people at the uh, at the event which i think is the most said comment in the show about the 70,000 people but um they do this nice thing with the knee so Undertaker tweaks his knee. And I think it just changes the dynamic of the match enough. So it, we know what's happening. Everyone knows what's happening. Their main event. Everyone knows what's happening. It's going to be Shawn Michaels. He's going to be, that's going to be the final scene. It's him walking back through the curtain and he's done. We know that. But they get everyone completely invested in it. And the fact that they managed to do that is quite astonishing, really. Because I can remember being balls deep in it when we were there. Just absolutely balls deep in it. And it's, I think it's great. Like you said, Tiki, it's nowhere near as good as their match before. But I think, like we talked about Bret Hart and Owen Hart last week, I think their first match, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels' first match, is just a a nuts pube short of that level. So I think it it had an impossible task in terms of the comparison to the previous year, but it also had quite an easy task because of everything that's gone before on this card, I think, as well. And I think it, it gets elevated because of that as well. Because the only match I think that's even close to it in terms of any sort of drama is the Cena Batista match, which is directly before it. But yeah, this is great. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I wrote something down that I was going to say, and I can't read it, but it was probably great. So yeah, great. I've got a question for you guys. Has The Undertaker's drunk boxer staggering with the old fists? going is there anybody better than that in wrestling because it is phenomenal his because he genuinely looks he looks like he's fucked and done mm. this match is incredible i love it again it's not the first match and the thing that is so magic about the first match is i don't think any of us i think even the most ardent the undertaker is on a streak of having incredible matches at wrestlemania at this point right in the middle of it Shawn michaels we know is one of the best wrestlers of all time even with that in mind we didn't know how good that match was going to be at wrestlemania 25 i think it caught us all by surprise as to how good it actually was i want to give a shout out to the video package at the beginning because the flute in that video package is titanic-esque <laughs> it's absolutely amazing work in the video package undertaker's got a cracking tan he's been yeah. out enjoying the sun in phoenix <laughs> And one thing I can remember so vividly from this as well is feeling the heat from the flames in Undertaker's entrance. That's how close we were to it. It's absolutely amazing. There's also a sign in the crowd that says HVK Streak Break Kid, which <laughs> is crap, but I enjoyed it. I think there's, there's a real big fight feel to this. One of the earlier incarnations of the old big fight feel, I think. A rare unlesnared big fight feel if you will. And it's just great. There's an unbelievable last ride from The Undertaker in it. He hits one in the first match, which is nuts. And he hits one in this one, which is even madder. Just so high. And there's a great moment where H2K hits a super kick on Taker and he kicks out. And the timing of The Undertaker's kick out is absolutely magnificent. And the false finish after a tombstone by Michaels blows the fucking roof off the place and this match is 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 an absolute clinic in high spots 
and then just slowing, slowing everything down again. The exact opposite of that ECW match pay-per-view we watched the other week, where it's all just frenetic, frenetic, frenetic. These two know what the fuck they're doing in a wrestling ring. They've got the crowd eating at the palm of their hand. It's just absolutely magnificent. I know we talked about the ending. That ending, the throat slit and the slap and the look on The Undertaker's face and that fucking tombstone are just absolutely incredible. And take a pause of HBK. They have a little moment. Everyone's crying. Everyone's crying in the crowd. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're in the crowd. I think pretty sure you can hear us trying to get an IRS chant going in the background. Um, <laughs> but it's just amazing. The bit, the bit where he walks up the ramp, he says to the camera, "I'll be driving my kids nuts in three weeks." Is a lovely touch, and it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah no it's a very very good match and and just for the record i am giving him my mvp too sure michaels this is his last match it's a very 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 good match and it would be a signifier of what we would no longer have at wrestlemania which was almost a guaranteed good match at wrestlemania and also given what we've seen in the Jericho Edge match, no, no guarantees in the future from them to them two chances. So yeah, I, I totally, I, you know, what that, that was partially the the problem is that he was going to go. I I felt like you know you said about how it's obvious we were going to get like the last match for Shawn Michaels. I think it was quite obvious, but I also thought I could definitely see as an audience people talking themselves into him not having his last match because the streak being lost would feel just as big or almost as big and certainly when it finally did go and given what we talked about on our WrestleMania 30 episode last year like it was massive so you know I could I could kind of see how people could talk themselves into that and I, I certainly don't know if I was 100% certain that this was going to be Shawn Michaels match last match at the time difficult to know mm. well that's the thing with memories isn't it you can just make them up I knew I knew exactly how it was going to finish <laughs> the, the length of the match I knew everything Shawn Michaels is in the ring having a good time with his terrible terrible hair and we were me and him were at different were at the same stage of our hair at this point <laughs> me and Shawn Michaels he's got multiple partings I had multiple partings I'm a great worker he's a great worker <laughs> there's there's not um, much in it there's not much in it but he just no. about just about shades you just about in fairness I haven't seen it but by all accounts that match that he comes back for in Saudi Arabia I could have probably had that match and it been as good <laughs> and you look um, very yeah. similar to him as well that? <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh Shawn Michaels gets picked up by the Undertaker and then driven into the ring post back first obviously and uh Matt Stryker says, oh, of course, the famous back of Shawn Michaels without <laughs> any context. And then Michael Cole gives some context about the back injury that gets him out for five years and all that. But poor Matt Stryker. <laughs> He's had a tough one. He's had a tough one at yeah. the show, apparently. Yeah. He doesn't. He also fit. He doesn't. He feels completely out of place mm-hmm. in the sense that it's Matt Stryker commentating on the whole of the WrestleMania show. In the past, I could have been like, okay, he's doing the SmackDown matches or he's doing the ECW matches. Get that? I don't. You know, I don't really want to hear him, but fine. But no, he's on the whole damn show, and he's got to mm. carry part of it because Jerry Lawler's there with them as well, being lazy. He even does the introduction to one of the matches. Well, I don't know whether my Michael Cole had to go for a shit or what? But I was like, fuck no, is he going to lead this match? Luckily, he doesn't. Going back to what you were saying about whether or not you knew beforehand whether Shawn Michaels was going to win or not if you didn't know then you're probably pretty certain when they advertised just before the match Shawn Michaels <laughs> My Journey DVD set <laughs> fucking dickheads aren't they and on that note we will take a quick break and then come back and cover the rest of the show last year People said we had the greatest match in WrestleMania history. 
match. I made one mistake. One mistake. And it cost me everything. Over the past year, it has become an obsession for HBK, consumed with the Undertaker and his streak. And when the Phenom refused to take a rematch, Shawn Michaels would force the issue. And that's why I cost you the World Heavyweight Championship. Face me at WrestleMania, Undertaker, and get your revenge. I accept. On one condition. If I beat you, your career is over. You're on. Two legends, one career, one incredible winning streak on the line. 17 men have stepped up. And 17 men have been set down. Shawn Michaels, you almost broke the streak, but you failed. Undertaker, nothing lasts forever. Nothing in a WrestleMania is going to be an image of the heartbreak kid ending your undefeated streak. Shawn Michaels' obsession will cause him to pay the ultimate price. The ultimate price of defeat will be the end of HBK's storied career. This has been my life for over 25 years. You think that I'd risk everything if I didn't know I could beat you? The most anticipated match in the history of WrestleMania. I will open up the gates of hell and I will unleash a fury that no mortal man has ever seen to make sure your career is over. If I can't beat you, I have no career. So welcome back. We've got the rest of the show to cover. We have we have knocked out some of the big hitters. So, uh, you know, this might not be might not take that long, but who knows? These these things tend to go as long as they go sometimes. So we start the evening with the flyover by the Jets to start the show and America the Beautiful sung by Fantasia, who uh, I have no memory of other than the fact that when I was at university, most of my housemates watch or not most of them, but some of them watched american idol and she was the winner of the specific season that they were watching whilst i was living with them so i knew that her name was fantasia barino to the point where i checked that it was the same person because she obviously only goes by the name of fantasia here but yes yeah, she was american idol series three winner just so you know um not a great version of america the beautiful though i thought a little bit uh she spent too much time on the the vocal gymnastics to really lots get over of, any any emotion lots of warbling mm. Lovely shot of Mount Rushmore, though. Or, oh, what's it called? Fuck, as old man always says. <laughs> it's the mountain shot. with what? the faces. Yeah, <laughs> a lovely shot right up all the old president's noses. Absolutely beautiful. I'll tell you what, right? So this is no little Richard, let's be honest. Let's fucking get that straight out. Um, The planes get a heck of a pop, don't they? And the, I think the planes, up until Cena comes out, get the biggest pop of the night. I was like, ah! Fucking planes, come on, you cunts. <laughs> Indeed, yes. So then we get the intro video for the show, and um, oh, I the, the only note I've got is it's a bit cliche. Terrible. 
Yeah. There's no, nothing about matches apart from a little touch, a little graze on the bollocks of Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. <laughs> but apart from that, you, you don't get any Cena shaft, Batista balls. Yeah, not not even no. a not even a sniff of Rey Mysterio's perineum in that opening <laughs> that opening video. Not even a sniff of it. And we all want a sniff of Rey Mysterio's perineum, don't we? <laughs> Do I, it smells wonderful. <laughs> What's that flying out the sky? R-E-Y <laughs> Mysterio's perineum. <laughs> <laughs> so then there's a guy in the front row with a John Morrison coat on. That's the only yes. thing I saw. And then... And, 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 and the often difficult to pronounce Cleveland Cavaliers jersey on. <laughs> yes, Cleveland Clavicles. <laughs> and then a brilliant sign in the crowd, which is a you can't handle our truth. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then we get our truth swaps up rap as he comes to the ring for the opener. A little bit laboured, I thought, is delivery uh, oh, here. He gets so out of power. I mean, it's a big rap. <laughs> my God, he's like, he's like, what's up? <laughs> people <laughs> over there. <laughs> yeah, people over there. Just... <laughs> it's like I remember. I'll never forget this. Uh, watching, I was remember watching a um. A, weirdly, I was watching. I think I must have been waiting for it to finish. I remember watching a Celtic game once, which I would never do. And they had uh, Neil Lennon doing a post-match interview as a Celtic manager in the studio. But it was obviously at the top of like a really high gantry, and the host was like, "Ah, oh, Neil, great, great win today, great performance. Um, you know, you must be very pleased with your team." And he was like. <sighs> so i didn't have any memory of this so when our truth came out i was like what what's this for can't remember this at all but it is for the tag team titles it's show miz the miz and big show against our truth and john morrison is our truth's tag team partner now this match goes for a whopping three minutes and 20 seconds and it ends when big show hits a ko punch whilst morrison tries to um springboard off the rope and miz pins morrison there is something about this miz show tag team which is amazing it's their music it is phenomenal a phenomenal mashup of the two songs and it's like where i came to pay and then it comes in and then it's like this is time for you to get on your knees and i can't obey it's fucking amazing it's so good like it's so fucking good because it's just basically it's the mrs music just went well it's a big show intermittently just chucked in the song it's absolutely genius love it. Is, it is it as good as the allied powers music which is effectively the same thing but all they've done is just it's just cut like the two songs in together they haven't even tried to mash them up they've just gone right here's oh. a bit of that song then a bit of this uh, thing and then carry on they're so good isn't it it's so good I'm, do you know what if they have a match at wrestlemania 11 i'm gonna have to dig it out phenomenal yes. music wrestlemania 11 they do yeah Oh, magnificent. Um, the, yeah, there's nothing to talk about this match. Only the fact that uh, Match Striker says that the Big Show's got a 15 inch fist. Yeah. I carried a 15 inch fist around Amsterdam for three days. <laughs> That's actually true. Called it Seamus. I'll put some pictures up on the gram. I thought this was on the pre show. So when, when the music hit, I was like, oh, it's a surprise. And uh, yeah, fab is sorry for them, to be honest. I mean, undoubtedly they got paid all right for doing this, but I did kind of think I was, oh, it's a waste. I remember Tommy, so the so the Saturday after we got there, it's quite early in the morning, and we had a little sign-in with R-Truth and Christian. And uh, I remember Tommy asking R-Truth if he was going to win the tag team titles the next night. And he was like, I'll see what I can do. And he said, that's what's up. And I was like, 
You know what? That's pretty fucking cool, actually. <laughs> so I remember trying to talk to Christian, and suddenly, I don't know why, he got quite starstruck by Christian. Yeah, or maybe it's because he's got a little weird face. <laughs> maybe. Yes, we then get a video which is the sights and sounds of WrestleMania week with the events that they're at getting progressively less impressive. So they start with the, <laughs> the access, the fan access, then the Pro-Am Golf, and then the WWE Reading Challenge. <laughs> So I have like this was absolute crap. They obviously love being like, oh, we do loads of stuff in the community. Should have just shown us being fucking lads. That's what they should have done, but they didn't. Something really stuck in my bloody teeth about this. So you've got the big show holding this like kid who's evidently just done some reading. Lovely. Like, Hang on, he's a fucking heel. What happened <laughs> to kayfabe? He should have fucking powerbomb that kid. <laughs> There's a bit of the show about the access, and uh, and it's got Jerry Lawler doing his. He's doing his inside voice. It's not not quite a sad voice, but he's doing his inside voice. And he's like, and then you know we've got this art show where Jeff and I are showing off for either something I'm really proud of. It's like, oh, fuck off, you prick. Like, no one wants to see that. We went to that bit. It was shit. It was yeah. fucking shit seeing Jeff on his crap art. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. Well, wait till you've heard his album. Then you'll be really, uh, then you'll be really impressed. What? He's got a, he's got an, an album, Jeff Hardy. Jeff <gasps> Saving it for tomorrow's trip into work. So next up is the Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes triple threat match. Uh, a nine minute contest between the former members of Legacy. This one ends when Orton counters a million dollar dream with the RKO for the pin. Old man, why don't you tell us about your thoughts on this one? Cody Rhodes' music's dubbed over. Can't remember what his music was, but I was a bit like, oh, that's weird. So this achieved exactly what it needed. And we all knew this was happening. So basically, Brandy Orton was slowly turning face. And that is exactly what they did. The double hangman DDT gets a heck of a pop from the crowd. Absolutely cracking stuff. But it all just felt a bit dull and a bit flat and a bit like, to be honest, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase Jr. have no right being in a ring at WrestleMania with Randy Orton. That's what it felt like, to be honest. And I know we'd watched Randy Orton and Triple H stink up the fucking joint in Houston the year before, but this was a big old waste of old Randy Orton. And it didn't outstay its welcome, luckily, because in my mind, this goes 15 minutes, nine minutes, Done. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd have to, I have to agree. I, I, I just thought it was a bit of a like, why did we bother with this? Why, why did mm. we, why did we do this? Like Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase Jr. effectively approach this as a handicap match, and yet Orton pretty much does, does lays waste to them both. And you're just mm. a bit like, is this a WrestleMania match? Is this worthy of being on a WrestleMania show? Like I was going to at one point credit WWE for trying to mix in some of the established stars with some up and coming stars. So obviously you've got Orton against Cody Rhodes and Teddy Biosa Jr. Later on you've got Triple H against Sheamus. So it's like, yes, makes sense. They're trying to like cycle in some new headlining stars. But on the evidence of the, sh- the show and the matches, those the, the, those two matches, actually, they do nothing for any of the younger stars. And all they do is give another WrestleMania victory to the already established guys. So, yeah, it didn't really do that. And I thought it particularly made Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase Jr. look like a couple of losers, quite frankly. So it didn't really. It, it, was, a, it was an OK match, but it just didn't really do anything for anybody. And I just don't know why it was booked for a WrestleMania. It doesn't need to be here, does it at all? It could very easily have been on the pay-per-view before. And then you could have put Randy Orton in a more meaningful match and they could have got been in attack matches, some some shit like that. But what I will say is a proper jobber entrance for Ted. His music stops when he's about a quarter of 
of the way down the ramp, yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. Cody then comes down with an absolutely awful dye job. Like his hair is so unnaturally black. It's it's absolutely outrageous. And he's got an incredible tan of Cody Rhodes. So fair play to him. But no one really cares about this match at all. And there's no reason to care. At one point, uh, again, I think it might be match story because there's a future WrestleMania main event between Codes and DBS. And I'm like, oh, I think even back then we knew that wasn't going to be the case, didn't we? I mean, there's a chance that Cody might be involved in WrestleMania this year, but he ain't going anywhere fucking near the main event. And nor should he because he's shit. Not shit. Average. Mid-card Cody. That's where he belongs. Go on, say shit. Yeah, shit, fuck it. Uh. Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got to him yet. Fucking hell. No. Um, so then they seem to cut away and cut back instantly. So there must have been something here they've cut out. Don't know what it is. There's also at this point, I think Michael Coles has got a proper dead smile, similar to Jr. When he's <laughs> going after matches before they go to it. So before that. The amazing events of WrestleMania thing. He does it then and he does it later on. My God, he looks like he's in a hostage. He's like, yeah, they're feeding me. They're feeding me good. And I got, and I'm sleeping well. And I got lots of water and they're treating me really well here. <laughs> so match number three is the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, is between, this is a crowded group oh, of wrestlers. Oh, in this one. Is they just kept coming. I was like, what's going mm. Yeah, after, after six of them, I was like, okay, great. Let's, let's have the match then. There's still four more to come. So we've got, Kofi Kingston, MVP, Evan Bourne, Jack Swagger, Shelton Benjamin, Matt Hardy, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Kane, and Christian. Ten men, I've got in question mark, exclamation mark form. (laughs) And it goes for just under 14 minutes, and it ends when Jack Swagger uh, gets up to the top of the ladder. He's got Christian with him as well. He hits Christian in the head with the briefcase and then grabs it off of the, the little thing that's hanging down from the ceiling. In my memory, this bit where Swagger grabs the briefcase lasts a lot longer than it does on this video. I seem to remember it being quite awkward because it took him like way too long to take it off. Mm. But maybe I'm just remembering wrong. Maybe we've seen so many people fanning around with that clasp <laughs> now that it doesn't stand out anymore in a way that maybe it used to. Maybe. The, I was thinking about this the other day about ladder matches in general because I just watched the um the Face of the Revolution ladder match, uh, AEW Revolution, and watching old... um. Wardlow trying to get that fucking brass ring off that thing is an absolute disaster as well. It's an absolute shambles. I just think they should get do away with the clasp. Have it on some Velcro. Don't have it done. I mean, it means you can't do any hanging spots off it, but they're never particularly good anyway, apart from the one. Or just do the thing where basically the reason it works with a belt is because if you pull, if you yank the belt, it comes undone. <clears throat> so just yeah. have things that can come undone <laughs> that come undone really easily. Like a suitcase with a really light limp handle yeah with a little catch handle basically which basically yeah. you pull it it just comes straight off just like your shirt after a couple of beers tinky <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so they, they they have this 10 man money in the bank ladder match i thought this was first of all first of all christian Ooh. christian looks jaundiced i don't know what the hell's going on mm. with him but he looks like yellow i don't know what's going on there I thought this was a bit of a mess, quite frankly. I just thought there was too much going on, too many people involved. We have just watched Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon. And in our discussion, we did mention that arguably it's got a little bit dated over time because of the increased danger of spots and, and, and you know excitement of spots that happen these days. But by the end of this match, I was absolutely begging for them to go back to the Shawn Michaels and Razor style because <laughs> this was just a bit of a mess. Crap, isn't it? Like you said, it's really sloppy. It's impossible as well because, and pretty much repeating what you've just said, but there's so many people in there. Like older Drew McIntyre, 
gets beaten up for about 10 seconds at the start of the match. Then don't see him for about eight minutes. Then he comes up with his bloody chin. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Uh, to be honest, we're off to a loser as soon as people start coming out. Because the only two people who get pops are Matt Hardy and Christian. So you've got John Dis Christian and Matt Hardy. So Christian was obviously the guy that people wanted to win this match. They were like, right, he deserves to have a world title run. We should give him this thing. So that's why you obviously got the pop. Everyone loves Matt Hardy. He lives up to it by taking a horrible bump at one point. Uh, Kofi does a little stilt spot with a ladder that breaks, <laughs> which is which is absolute shit, but at least it's something. It's something a bit new. But yeah, this is not good. The way that I felt watching this was just a bit disappointed because it was exactly what I expected. But then something happens and it kind of like, oh, bloody heck. So Drew McIntyre gets pushed off of a ladder and he does the nut spot on the rope, but it's the most brutal nut spot I've ever seen. I don't know how he he's still got bollocks. Well, he might not have, to be honest. And that's probably the high point of the match. Someone getting a brutal bollock shot. Because like you said, Tiggy, it's just all a bit of a mess. Mm. Again, another example, just chucking more people in doesn't necessarily make it good. And you've got Kofi, uh, Evan Bourne, and Shelton Benjamin, none of whom are going to win it. And those three are in there for the exact same reason. Do our athletic spot. And so there, there's no need of them in there. It is the shittest Money in the Bank lineup of all time. It must be. I can't think of a worse one than this. I don't know if it's shittest, but it's just too many. I think it's overcrowded. Trim it down. You might might make it more interesting. Christian, you know, we all know he likes to chat on the way to the ring. This was excessive. The amount <laughs> he's talking on the way down to the ring. And what's he saying? Oh, is he? What is he going on about? Is he like reading his like to his memoirs? Is he like I don't know? Do you reckon, he's like I got I got to make it look like I'm saying something, but I really haven't got anything to say today. So no, yeah. but that's exactly what he's saying. He's going, he's going. I am got anything to say today, but I'm going to come down to the ring and pretend that I'm saying stuff because that's my thing. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. Don't you forget? That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I called this match Money in the Wank. <laughs> because I don't think it was very good. But obviously, he's, he's got out of a tan, and so is Matt Hardy, and so is Drew McIntyre. And in the following match as well, I'm just going to say Triple H has got a phenomenal tan. I'm jumping the gun a little bit here. But I did think if it wasn't good, if you weren't going to allow me to select myself as MVP, I would have selected the man who owns the tanning beds in Phoenix. <laughs> Because he must have been an absolute killing. No, no, no. You have weekend. to be the MVP of this show for you. That's, I, that, that's too perfect. I know. Mm. I know. Um, it's just, it's really not good. I wrote a note. There's a bit where Jack Swagger gets DP'd by Christian and Matt Hardy in between the ladders. <laughs> He's like stood in between the ladders. And then, and then, and then Christian and Matt Hardy have got the ladders. They're both going, the rugs. DPing him, which is quite funny. Um, and Matt Stryker, mate, I'm surprised you didn't pick up on this old man, Matt Stryker. Who will carry us into the 21st century? Yeah. We're in it, aren't we? <laughs> aren't we in the 21st century? What are you on about, Matt? Bellend. Also, it's evidently Jack Swagger, which brings us nicely to this week's Tyrant Baxton of the Week. Jack Swagger, Jake Hager. Real name, Donald Jacob Hager Jr. Byron Faxton of the 
<laughs> well, that's one, that's one of the best. Definitely one of the best. Yeah. That, 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 reeks of, that reeks of fuck. I've got nothing for this week. I better get something quickly. Tell you what, it's a real tough lineup to get stuff out of. They need to have done more stuff than be called what's his name? Douglas Donald. Wait, you you Donald. have got ten people in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Ten people in the Diva Tag Team match later on. There are plenty of people you could have picked out here. Yeah, but no one matters. Oh uh, well, no, that's fair enough. No, that's true. true. Yeah, that's true. So after this match, we come to what is probably my highlight of the show. If I'm honest, I don't know why, but it's really tickled me. So we get highlights of the Hall of Fame ceremony. At the Hall of Fame ceremony was Mad Dog Vashan, Wendy Richter, Stu Hart, Gorgeous George, Antonio Inoki, Bob Yuka, and Ted DiBiase. Then we get them out in front of the crowd with the amazing Hall of Fame music, which is lovely yes. to hear. Absolutely, absolutely basket in it. I was. Then they call out each of the the people that are there. And they all kind of take their way. They wave and they take their applause. And when Randy Richter comes on, she says to the crowd, girls just want to have fun. <laughs> and I literally was there for like about 10 minutes. I had to pause it. I was like, what's she done? So it was like she was saying the most amazingly deep thing anyone's ever said when she said it. And she'd already said it in her acceptance mm. speech, which is like fair enough. She's paying a little... You know, paying a little homage to Cindy Lauper was a big part of her career. Get all that, but to do it again, <laughs> so like, that's, is that all you got? That's your one. That's your one thing, is it, that, Wendy? Yeah, that was the highlight of my show. I just thought it was the, phenomenal. The disappointing thing is that they didn't show old Piper being really hammered oh, at the ceremony, where he did, he did, uh, he did Wendy Richter's induction, didn't he? And he was absolutely fucking smashed. Phenomenal yeah. stuff from Big Piper. They, I love it when they try the old fights, especially when they've got that music as well. That that music and Bruce Hart is there as well. It's being a prick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? As well, he really looks like a prick on this show. I know. Aviators, isn't it? And you know, like we didn't kind of didn't say this actually in our coverage of the uh, of the Brett Vince match, but he, um, uh, Bruce Hart, is the referee of this match as well, and you know. He like proper sucked off Vince to to get that desperate. You know, he's like, oh, I'll, 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 I'll give you one of my kidneys, Vince. Just let me be in the match. Fuck off with your aviators, Bruce. Get away. You could be the ref. There's a, there's a couple of things I want to say about that, actually. I, and I meant to say it again about when we were talking about Bret Hart and the Vince McMahon match. Is that because you were talking about old man about how nice it was to have the family there. And I was just like, mm-hmm. there was an element, though, where they were kind of like completely ripping the shit out of them for being constantly on the take, constantly after money, like constantly trying to mooch off Brett. And I just thought, because there's that bit where he even says, Brett even says, yeah, we make sure we get paid before, but you know, up front and all this stuff. And it's like, guys, you're just completely, <laughs> you're basically saying the Hart families are all on, the Hart families all on, the take, all on the take and trying to like mooch off Brett Hart and Owen Hart and Dave Boy Smith's career. It's just, oh, too much. Why not, eh? <laughs> and then Bruce is the referee, as you said. So it's like, it's yeah. clear that Brett's like been asked, basically the minute this has been even in the works and the other Hart family members have got wind of it, they've been like calling Brett up saying, is there a spot for me? Is there a place for me on this show? And, and Bruce is like, I, I could referee the match. And I was thinking it's, it reminded me of Dennis Stamp who is the guy who has to referee Terry Funk's retirement match because he's not going to be at the show because he's not been booked. And so Terry ends up making him a referee for the match with Brett in Terry Funk's retirement match. Oh, really? 
from beyond the map the, the mm. documentary and uh i just thought that's probably brett bruce brett said oh why don't you come along he's like well i'm not booked brett no i'm not booked booked i can't be in the mat i can't be i can't be there can't be there can't be there if not been booked so get just to get him there he makes him the referee do you reckon like he was on the phone to Brett or Bruce Hart and he was like, you've like, yeah. got to get me in the match, you've got to get me in the match. And Bruce is like, Brett's like, ah, do you know what, Bruce? It's kind of like a personal thing. So I mean, he, he's like, yeah, Vince will really want to see me. He'll really <laughs> want me to be involved. <laughs> I think that's probably, that's probably I, fair. I think the one who uh, doesn't look particularly bothered about being there is Smith. He just kind of stood there, just minding his own business. Just like, yeah, do I have to do anything? He's like, no, you just stand there every now and then. He smiles, has a little smile. And then that's it. And that's kind of the same for when they come out for this bit. I didn't think we saw Keith, which was a disappointment. I don't think he was there. I think he was there. No, I think he is. I think he is. I just don't think he's got the touch. Well, they're not all there. They're definitely not all there. There's not enough of them. No, but I think I think Keith is there. Okay, I didn't I didn't notice him being there. But well, as you say, if, as you say, the tash would make a difference. Yeah, and if he was there, wouldn't he be wearing his um his fireman outfit? <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Can we start, before we move away from the uh the Hasselhoff class, Bob Uecker was good value, wasn't he? Mm. Oh yeah. I remember I remember he was good value because this is a pretty poor class and it's kind of like topped by. Piper being pissed and uh, Bob Uecker because with respect to Teddy Biasi since he cleaned up and got into God he's a bit poor isn't he <laughs> I mean obviously amazing for him that he sorted his life out but he were a bit more fun mate back then his autobiography is mad boring the real highlight of this Hall of Fame ceremony is that I went into the toilet behind Chris Jericho yeah. and and also was followed in by Kane and others that I can't remember anymore. Maybe MVP, possibly, I can't remember. And then they, they gave you the old uh, ladder match DP, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, what, what goes on behind closed doors, <laughs> old man? It's not to be revealed. I, I had a wee next to Harry Smith. He did indeed. Yeah, very exciting times. I didn't piss next to anyone. <laughs> Never mind. Maybe next time. Maybe if we ever go again, you'll get the chance. So then there was the uh, video for the build-up to Triple H versus Sheamus. Hang on, hang on to you. Hang on to you. I can't can't let you bypass this. How have you missed it? It's your boy, big Kevin Rudolph. (laughs) Kevin Rudolph did did one of the songs. I made it. That's the one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And we know you love Kevin Rudolph. (laughs) I'm quite a fan of the, the choice of song here. I think this mm. makes a lot of sense. There are a lot of signs in the crowd saying, I made it. As in, I made it to WrestleMania. I'm here. Can you believe I've made it? And I thought it suited the occasion well. So I, I, I applaud them for this. I also think that well, I think they might have Lil Wayne on it. But it's star power now for that as well. Cool. Stick that your fucking pipe and smoke it, you pair of cunts. So then we get the video for the build-up to Triple H versus Sheamus. I like that this sort of feeds in from elimination the Elimination Chamber match that they had. So the, the original reason is that Sheamus, who is the champion going into the Elimination Chamber match, gets beaten by Triple H in that match, which is why he's no like, he then loses the belt. So I like that it came from an organic place. It didn't mm. just start up between two people. And then it draws upon Triple H's history at WrestleMania, specifically WrestleMania 12 with the Ultimate Warrior, and the idea that Triple H is going to put this young guy down. And to be honest, that's pretty much what happens. After 12 minutes of the contest, Triple H gets the victory after hitting the pedigree out of nowhere. 
for the pin. Lawler says they just witnessed a classic. <laughs> um, I've got a, a bit of an issue with this match, and not necessarily this match, but the placing of it. I remember at the time, this is a bit of a nothing match, isn't it? It's Triple H versus Sheamus, this proper mid-card, which I guess is where it actually is, but it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a nothing match. But Triple H's entrance is always a is always quite a big thing. It always gets a bit of a pop going. And I remember saying to you boys at the beginning of the pay-per-view before when we got to the arena, this match should start the uh, the, the pay-per-view, start the event. And I think they really missed the trick by not doing that because I think it would have made the opening of the uh, of the actual proper full event feel a lot more meaningful if you had Triple H opening the card, personally. Uh, hang on, you had our truth rapping. <laughs> He's had it out of breath. <laughs> No, it's interesting you should say that because I because obviously I remember us having that conversation a lot prior to the event. I think it might not even been when we went in. I I feel like it might have been going on for a you know good few days beforehand of saying that's how they should start the show. But because we'd had that conversation, when I came to watch it this time, I was like, so the first match is Triple H versus Sheamus, yeah, right? Yeah, the same thing. <laughs> Just because we'd imagined it so much, and I think you're right. I think it would have been the right thing to do. It would have kicked and, off the show brilliantly. And they obviously did that at WrestleMania 30. Now I know there was a lot more built yeah. on that match, obviously with him against Brian. Danielson. It really does again set the t- oh, yeah, I really struggled saying his name, didn't I? <laughs> Fuck me. Um Diane Banyols. <laughs> uh... Yeah. Um but they, they like it really does again it pro- again like I said, it's a bigger it's a bigger match than this one, but it really, really sets the sets WrestleMania 30 off on a on a proper high note, having having the, the game music right at the beginning. And it's a shame they didn't do that. The match in itself, it's it's all right. Like it's nothing great. Like it's it's just Triple H not really doing much. There's a bit where where Triple H has a comeback and Matt Stryker goes tie your mother down here comes yeah. Triple H <laughs> fuck are you talking about you moron <laughs> what on earth are you talking about and there's also a bit actually this is the other bit what I meant to wanted to say I look thoroughly unimpressed in the crowd when Triple H comes mm. down and I've got a photograph of that and again I'll post that because I'm stood there looking so unimpressed by Triple H it's his entrance um, and there's another bit weird bit of commentary someone says has anybody had a better first year than Seamus I think probably Brock Lesnar probably did it's, it's an obvious one but it's just they're really really going on about how much of a massive year Seamus has had and it's been alright I think but they're really like over egging the pudding with that and also he has that amazing year like don't forget he won the world heavyweight title in that first year so he had a good year but then he just basically gets steamrolled by Triple H so they're just trying to get Triple H over, aren't they, by saying that, which is a bit... I think as well, I think if you want to... Because, yeah, you're right, Sheamus wins the title, I think maybe even twice in his debut year, but certainly wins the title in his debut year. Follow that up with a win over Triple H mm. in WrestleMania. That's big. You've made a star yeah. with that, but no. No, we can't have that. Triple H has got a win in 12 minutes as well. It's not yeah. like it's not like an epic encounter where he's really had to go some. Just beating him out of nowhere with the pedigree. I've got a couple of little highlights from this match. When Triple H is making his entrance, he does that thing where he walks around to go walk up the steps. And there's this man frantically running down, holding up a Mexican flag. Oh, yeah. He just yeah. really, he really wants people to see this Mexican flag. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's good. Enjoyed that. So Triple H, he throws Seamus into the ropes, then misses him. Misses him with a clothesline, obviously. And then just as Seamus is hitting the ropes, some guy get, just shouts, Face buster! Sure enough, Triple H does the face bust there. And I was like, that's how formulaic this match is. And that is exactly the word that I wrote. This is cookie cutter Triple H, where there's a little bit of thing. He kicks out of the um, road kick, which admittedly gets a fantastic pop. 
in fairness, and we were there, the crowd are pretty into this. Old man putting himself over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're pretty much in the fairness reason why to the crowd. Like, they were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you watch it now. You've been kind of said, it's just nothing, is it? Throw away. It doesn't mean anything. Like you said about Sheamus getting the old, the big dub here. Well, Triple H wouldn't have had any problem in terms of, like, what people would have thought of him as a competitor. He'd have been like, oh, cool, he lost to Sheamus. That's fine. I did notice how small Sheamus was. Like in terms of muscularity, let's go with that word. Yeah, he's quite small. He's quite caught off guard, but don't get me wrong. He's still in better shape than me, but it's a pretty close run thing. The thing is, if Triple H could genuinely have lost like every match from about 2005 and not lost any star power or credibility, there's mm. no need for him to ever win another wrestling match again. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's like made it like rewritten himself or people. The, you know, the the history of Triple H has been rewritten because they like NXT, but it's. Is there like an element of like he is making sure that he's being booked that strongly, or people are like, just like, no, we'll book him strongly because that's what he wants, and then he's like, no, I'm not say shit either way. Do you know what I mean? Like people are preemptively doing it on his behalf. Either way, this is Triple H at his most bland. There is no doubt that Triple H continued to adversely affect booking decisions well into about 2013-2014, and mm. actively did so. The treatment of CM Punk in particular in 2011-12. And some of the stuff that he had to go through with Kevin Nash and with Triple H undoubtedly weakened CM Punk. I believe personally that some of the decisions that were went into him as part of the authority belittling Daniel Bryan in late 2013 did, did some damage to Daniel Bryan, even though that was before WrestleMania 30 and they just about recovered it in time. And then, of course, they put him over massive. But I think that his earlier instincts, which were to always make himself... And those associated with him so much stronger than everybody else did do damage prior to that. And I think that this is another case of probably, I don't know, I, th- I, ju- I, I think this is another case of him saying, I, I want to win. You know, I think it makes more mm. sense for me to win. He's argued against Jeff Hardy beating him for months and months, if you remember, before Jeff Hardy did finally get the victory at Armageddon 2008, because he said, well, what would it have meant? What would it have meant before? And I was like, well, what does it mean for you to win? So where's the difference? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if that's your argument, then there's no reason for you to win either. So until he stopped, pretty much, he was adversely affecting the booking of WWE. Hell, he even beat Sting at WrestleMania 31. So you know. oh, that was awful, wasn't it? I mean, the match was shit in itself, but there's no way that Triple H should have won that match. One thing I will say about that match, I uh, for some reason, I can't remember why, I watched it back a couple of years ago. It's great fun. Don't make any sense, because obviously the NWO come down and help Sting, but I love the old time. Great, It's great to see a man sweat that much. <laughs> so, there's another bit here where something appears to have been cut. Don't know what it is, but There we go. Then there's a hype video for Rey Mysterio versus CM Punk. The feud seems to have emanated from a Money in the Bank qualifying match between CM Punk and Shelton Benjamin. So again, I quite appreciated the sporting conceit that led to a feud here. Just quite, quite Mm. enjoyed that. The match itself goes only for about six and a bit minutes. And it ends when Ceredia protects CM Punk from the 619 when Mysterio goes for one. But then Mysterio counters a go to sleep into another 619, then hits a slingshot splash into the ring for the pin. Tom, your thoughts on this one? The opening video package starts, you see a young Dominic, obviously. Mm-hmm. It starts off, well, the part of the video package shows uh, CM Punk interrupting a birthday thing for his daughter Leah, i believe in the in the ring straight side come out and uh there's two moves in it one 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 in which we're 
uh, Rey Mysterio is singing Happy Birthday to Aaliyah. And then there's a moment at the end of it where CM Punk is creepily singing Happy Birthday back to Aaliyah as Rey Mysterio ushers his family back up the ramp and into safety at the back of the arena. Rey Mysterio's rendition of Happy Birthday is infinitely more creepy and evil than CM Punk's. It is so <laughs> weird. He's like, Happy Birthday. Day. And it's like, oh god, this is horrible. This is this is really uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> when Rey Mysterio comes out, booyaka booyaka, a massive thing. Rey Mysterio coming out in a, in a massive ridiculous style. Here he is. It's Rey Mysterio, <laughs> says Matt Striker. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have got that otherwise. I love the Straight Society. I love old Luke Gallows with his with his uh, reassuring hand rubs. To, uh, to, on the shoulder of, of CM Punk and, and uh, Serena's great as well there's there's a bit where Michael Cole says CM Punk considers himself to be a saviour and a messiah <laughs> Jerry Lawler goes there's only one messiah really quietly to himself like <laughs> oh incredibly quietly in terms of the actual wrestling this is actually a good match it, it's, I, I actually quite enjoyed it this match it's just too damn short for my liking I'd have liked another 10 minutes on this maybe 5 to 10 minutes on this it, and it would have been a, a much better match Um, but for what it is it's quite good it's probably obviously after the main event it's probably the, technically the best wrestling match on the card as well again between two people who, who can work together very well we've seen a match with these two as well earlier uh, a couple of months ago didn't we? We, we covered a match between the two of them and it, it was also really good obviously Ray Mysterio didn't get his nose destroyed by CM Punk in the same manner they did in that previous match but these two work together really well again just safe safe hands in the ring and um and it was good. I just wish it was a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I did have one bit. So they pipe in some noise for Ray, I think. Some crowd noise because it's continuous and we were there. I ain't popping for that long. I'd be, I'd be tired because it goes on for about a minute and a half. So Ray Mysterio gets up. So he does that thing where they jump into people, ass first, with their legs open, facing the floor. And I don't really know why they do it, but he does it to the outside and Punk just gets him up and slams him into the steps. It's a very cool spot, but I was like, why is he diving like that? Weird. But uh, yeah, I kind of echo what Tommy said. I think this is pretty decent. They get everything out of this six and a half minutes that you could. It's not long enough. They could have had five minutes off Jericho Edge, eight minutes off Bret Hart and Mr. McMahon. And it would have probably been a bit long then. But Hey, come on, let's give them all that time. But of course, they're not going to get that because it's Rey Mysterio and CM Punk. Rey Mysterio is on this card because he's Rey Mysterio. Unfortunately, that's what I realised halfway through. So he's on there because that lad who ran down with the Mexican flag, that's why he's on there. I was a bit like, oh, that's, that's a bit of a waste, is it? Quite disrespectful as well, but true. Well, he's a he's a special attraction mm. in the same way as Andre the Giant was a special, special mm. attraction, uh, but just at the other end of the scale. He's smaller and he's got he wears a mask and he has made an awful lot of money being that in fairness to Rey Mysterio and mm-hmm. still makes money to this day uh, being that thing. As I've discussed on the show as well previously, he's a far cannier operator than people kind of know him as being. He's He's been very clever in his dealings with WWE, got the maximum value out of his name, made sure he's protected himself uh, in some ways. And he's he has to protect himself, protect himself in a different way to most other people because he absolutely can take losses because he is small so it's less about him losing or looking weak it's more about other things that he has to protect himself against but just a just i think a very canny operator backstage completely agree though with you old man 
they get absolutely every ounce out of this six and a half minutes. This is a walk. This is a lesson in how you get every last sinew of something out of a match because it's not like they go mad. It's not like they just do six and a half where they're furious pace. Nothing means anything. They still tell a story within the match, but they do it doing as much as they possibly can at the same time. So I was very impressed with this. If this had gone another six and a half minutes, if you double the length of it, it would have challenged the Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels on this evidence. Now, it would have been harder to do it for 12 and a half, 12 minutes, but it's, it's a crack in six and a half minutes of a match. And a real shame that they didn't get more time. But as you say, they weren't going to get more time, especially as Brett and Vince were going for 11 minutes. <laughs> so they were unlikely to get it. So then we get all the Brett stuff. So we'll move past that. And we then get the Jericho and Edge stuff. So we'll move past that as well. Then uh, Michael Cole introduces footage of the 20 man battle world that took place in the pre-show. And the winner was Yoshitatsu. Now, me and t- t- uh, old man talked about this very briefly, I think, in the break. I think you said you couldn't, you couldn't remember Yoshitatsu winning the match. I said I couldn't remember the match. And then I said I can't even really remember Yoshitatsu very well. Bit of a strange one, this. Don't know where this came from. But anyway, that's what happened on the pre-show. Just going to run through the combatants. So there were 26 for the 26th anniversary of WrestleMania. So we got Primo, Slam Master Jay. Who's that? Uh, he would become Jesse in Jesse and Festus. Kaylin Croft, no idea. Trent Barretta, one of the Chavo best Guerrero, Tommy's favourite. It's now time for the main event, Mark <laughs> Henry. Uh, the Great Cali, Luke Gallows, my boy. JTG, Chris Masters. Christopher Todd Mordetsky in real life. Uh, Tyson Kidd, David Hart Smith. So they pulled double duty, these lads. <laughs> Do you reckon they got paid double the money? Kozlov, Kung Fu Naki, Gold Dust, Shad Gaspard, rest in peace, uh, William Regal, Tyler Rex, Santino Morello, Jimmy Wang Yang, Vance Archer, who is Lance Archer, who I called Vance Archer in a game that we did way back yeah. when. Yeah. Uh, Carlito. Finley, Mike Knox, and Zach Ryder. It's not the best, is it? What are you talking about, me? A star studded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are studs in there. Is um, Zach Ryder the guy who's now in NWA and he's their champion? He is uh, in. He's in NWA. I don't know if he is. He might be their champion. I can't remember. I think he is. Yeah, Matt, Matt Cardona is it? M- Matt Cardona. Yes. Nah, that's it. Too close. He had a little feud in Impact last year with. I can't remember his name, but his old name was obviously Kurt Hawkins, his old tag team partner. They had a feud in Impact last year. I can't remember what his name is now, though. It's annoying. Never mind. The Edgeheads. That's what they were, indeed. So, anyway, that we went on a tangent then. So then we get the 10 Diva tag team match, whichever one. This is this is quite interesting, I thought. Anyway, so we've got Layla, Alicia Fox, Maurice, Michelle McCall, and Vicky Guerrero against Eve Torres, Mickey James, Kelly Kelly, Gail Kim, and Beth Phoenix. This is, as Old Man has told us before and revels in telling us, that it's the smart, sexy, powerful era of the Diva, the Diva years. It lasts for the same amount of time as the tag team match in the opener, three minutes and 20 seconds. And the winner the winner is Vicky when she hits a frog splash onto someone, can't remember who, uh, for the victory. Uh, old Man. Well, she hits it on Kelly Squared. Right, OK, thank you. The commentators start off hot sexualizing the women straight away apparently the king's favorite is kelly kelly look what she's wearing he says and then i reckon someone must have a word in their ear 
because then they kind of go, I oh, know, obviously we've got to like acknowledge the fact that they're blah, 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 they're wrestlers. And then they proceed to point out how comparatively unattractive they think Vicky Guerrero is to everyone else. And she hits a frog splash, which is being kind, but she does a little little tribute to Eddie, which is very nice. And almost got me, actually. Weird. Just mm. almost, I was like, oh, that's nice. This is why I thought this was quite interesting, because that did nearly get me when she sort of points up. She's on top of the ropes and she points up. And the fans audibly kind of react to it. They're like, mm. sud- like they suddenly break through themselves and they're like, oh. And I just thought, can't you just book her to be the babyface for this match? Like, build mm. up to this moment and make her the babyface so that everyone can just fucking enjoy that moment where she can just pay her respect to her husband who passed away five years before this. And I just I just thought, like, or just don't do it because she's the heel. Like, it just, mm. it, you know, it, it would just been a nice moment if she could have done that and, and done it with the cheer of all of the crowd. Because there is there is a genuine, like, moment where everyone's like, oh, we want to react. We want to respond to this in a positive way for Vicky Guerrero. The things of the, the, the matches, it starts off with um, some rapey comments from the King, as you said. Then, um, basically, Vicky Guerrero is getting piled on in the corner. And it, she's great. She's really good value in this as well. And then, basically, everyone just does their finishes on each other. Doesn't they? And then the match ends. It's completely pointless, not very good. And there's a bit of a botched ending where I think Kelly Squared kicks out or her shoulder's not down properly. Mm-hmm. So she hits the frog splash, the referee does a two count, and then basically says, no, put your arm back down, and then counts again. It's really, really bad. It's a really, really messy, awful ending to what isn't a very good match. But you're right about the, the Vicky Grove stuff. It's just a shame that she doesn't get the opportunity to really as you said, get to everyone get to bask in that moment together. You could turn a heel the next night, couldn't you? Yeah, and, and also you could have this, you could almost have, you know, given how thrown together this is, you could just say what we've done is done a random drawing of the 10 divas in the match. We're going to have heels and baby faces on both sides. It's a random drawing, so you can cheer for who you want throughout the match. Maybe even in the match, get a tiny bit of sympathy on Vicky during the match. And then this is a kind of, you can even have a do on a on a heel. That's the point. You can have this be then it doesn't have to be on a baby face. It could just be on a heel. It could be on Michelle McCool, who's probably the main main heel of the division at the time. And just yeah, just make it nice because there's no there's no other rhyme or reason for this match. So just if you're gonna chuck them out there, make it all about this moment, and then you've got a, a, potentially a WrestleMania moment on your hands, which is just and it would have been really nice because it it does it genuinely does get me when I'm watching it. You know what the problem is though. Is that they would have said to Michelle McCall, Vicky, uh, Vicky would have walked up and said, listen, I'm going to hit you with the frog smash. And you know what Michelle would have called and would have said? You're not enough of me. <laughs> uh, uh, brilliant. So then we come to the only match that we haven't yet to cover. It's John Cena and Batista. There's the hype video again, which includes Batista beating Cena for the title of Elimination Chamber. Uh, decent build to this one, I thought. There's also the classic. I'm I'm pretty certain we've made something of this in the past. The bark 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 <laughs> Batista does in the video. <laughs> bark bark bark. He says at one point about Cena. Brilliant. And that precedes their match, which goes for 13 and a half minutes and ends when Cena jumps off the top. Batista reverses it into a uh, spine buster, but when Batista goes for the Batista bomb, Cena locks in the STF and Batista taps. 
I remember really liking this feud at the time. I remember really liking it, but it was, at that point, I think it had been the best character work that Batista had done. He'd obviously been like, obviously came in as, as a heel as part of Evolution and then had basically been a really crap babyface throughout his entire tenure up until this point in which he had turned heel. And he was brilliant. It was also the, the, the in the build-up as well when he's like saying to John Cena, you, you're out there kissing babies and hugging fat girls. <laughs> That's all funny, very amusing at the time. Well, there is, though, there's lots of really strange distortion i noticed that on this video package there's like a weird vision effect on the video package and it's all over the all of the video packages as well and the very mysterious one it's almost like there's a puddle over it or something like that it's, it's really really strange effects this is also the phase as well where you've got the really shit overly elaborate john cena entrances and this one whilst it's quite impressive at times because it's a uh, bunch of marines i think with bayonets just having a lovely swing swing around to them it's a little bit like uh, what are you doing why do we care about this just for clarity it's the air force honor guard drill team I was, it was either one of the two there's also a sign in the crowd that says batista batista likes fish sticks um but the crowd are really into it and i remember being really into it and it, like you said tinky we, we basically like do you know what we're not looking forward to this let's just have a good fucking laugh i think we'd had a couple of beers at this point but i don't think we were drunk but i think we'd had a couple of beers and we were just really into it and it's basically just like they completely work within their own strengths in this they don't really try and do anything that we haven't seen before they kind of just play the hits but because they're such two fucking big cums that it's it's like it kind of looks even more impressive when one of them does one of their power moves on the other person there's a bit where like um cena kicks out of a batista bomb and similarly batista kicks out of an attitude adjustment and the, the reactions are just great it's, it's really good and it's just a fun match and on true form, the ending's really clunky as well, which is what you'd expect. On brand, they both fuck up a little bit in that when Cena goes to do that move off the top rope, it's supposed to be caught for a power bomb, I think. And then he turns it into some kind of spine buster or something like that. The Batista turns it into some kind of spine buster. Then there's a power bomb reversal. So he gets he, Batista gets seen up for a power bomb, and Cena's supposed to basically carry on rolling over almost into like a into like a you know a, a sunset flip or a roll up sort of thing over the top, and it's all just really clunky and awkward and awful. And then it gets put into a dreadful STF, which is again what you'd expect from John Cena. So it's all very much on brand the entire match, but it's a fucking good laugh. I must admit, this is the second best match of the night, easily. Yeah, this is all right. I can remember the pop for Cena. I can remember, I think it was you I turned around to Tinky just after. Because, like, I'm no big fan of Cena, especially not this time. That's why he was the biggest guy in the business at the time. Because the pop is extraordinary. Like, it's the loudest thing on the card by a million miles as well. It is it was quite something to be somewhere and have that many people make that, that much noise for someone who I don't really understand. But yeah, this much, to be honest, like Tommy said, this is cracking good fun. This is exactly what it needs to be. I did notice that there's a bit where um, Cena powers up and uh, Batista's got him in a chin lock. And I can remember because I've watched this match back like since on the uh, DVD or the network. And uh, there's a bit where Batista gets off his back and then holds his arms open and then Cena says, kick me in the back. And they've edited that on the network, which I thought was quite interesting because I was like, someone's gone through that and gone, oh, it looks like he's talking to him there, which it does, like blatantly. But they've gone through the trouble of editing it. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the DDT that Batista hits on Cena, which I think genuinely stuns Cena because there's just about 20, 30 seconds where the referee's a bit like, well, you need to leave him alone a minute. 
It's Giorgina Batista in 2010. This is as good as we were going to get. And I was pretty pleased, but I don't want a second serving. You're right about that DDT. I think he legitimately dropped on his head for a moment mm. because he, they do have to take a moment. And it looks brutal. And afterwards, Cena, like there's one bit where Batista's trying to, you know, they try to lift each other by their head. Basically, they kind of crouch down to pick them up by their head, lead them by the head. And Cena's refusing. Basically, he's just not mm. getting up. And, he's, and he obviously says something and the referee steps in. And uh, there's clearly something gone wrong there, but obviously it, it doesn't affect him long term. He manages to continue with the match. So we've got no problem in the end, but did look a little bit dangerous there. Overall, though, I remember enjoying the match in the arena or the stadium, I suppose, that, that evening. And I kind of approached this match thinking this will be all right. This will be fine. This will be better than Triple H and Sheamus and Cody Rhodes, Randy Orton and Ted DiBiase Jr., to give you some example, really, I guess, of perhaps my perception of the wrestlers, which I think is probably in um, conflict with most people, I was a pre- I was anticipating this far more than Chris Jericho versus Edge. And admittedly, I know that Chris Jericho versus Edge wasn't as good as perhaps you might have thought it was going to be going in. But yeah, I had no doubt in my mind that John Cena versus Batista would be more fulfilling, more enjoy- enjoyable than <laughs> Chris Jericho and Edge. Mm. Um, what? Absolutely. And it was. It was, a, as I said, a very satisfying match, a very fun contest and one that they can be completely proud of amongst the show that overall wasn't great, but did end with these two final matches very well, mm-hmm. I thought. So interesting. There's not much else. To, there's nothing else to talk about. We've we already talked about Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. There's nothing between the, the two matches other than the My Journey DVD advertisement, which <laughs> kind of telegraphed the ending of the Undertaker Shawn Michaels match. So that brings us, I guess, to our ratings out of 10. Oh, man, I'm not sure you gave us your MVP, did you? Or did I forget? No, I'm going to give it to Chris Cornell for singing on the Audio Slave song, Be Yourself. That's one of the themes. Because it's a great song, great album, and Chris Cornell's dead. So he can have it. My... So, so's, the, so's the Undertaker, don't forget. So he's dead at the time as well. <laughs> Not without tan, he ain't. I ain't never seen a tanned corpse. Well, no, I've never seen a corpse. So I thought this was all a bit crap. Saved by the main event. If Cena and Batista were the main event, this would be incredibly poor, I think. But because of we get The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, and you have the emotion that's involved as well. And you've got, like we said, that Rey Mysterio CM Punk match is pretty decent. Well, very decent for what they get. But outside of that, there's not really a whole lot, is there? And there's not a whole lot that I remembered. So I'm going to give this a four, which is pretty much for the main event. And uh, yeah, I can see, like kind of to your point, Tinky, at the start, I can see why I've not watched this back in its entirety. And I definitely won't be again. It, you know, interestingly, I found this probably one of the hardest shows to score. So I'm interested to see what Tom will make of it. Mm. It's getting the old Saturday night's main event extra point just for, for being there, which gives it a six for me. I'd give it a five, but then bump bumped up to a six, uh, and that's that's where I'm that's where I'm leaving it. So fuck off. <laughs> wow, no no explanation. Just I'm giving it a five. A uh, six, sorry. Um, well, no, no. We just spent the last two hours explaining it. What have we got to do? So got, people have got to pay attention. So I'm giving it a seven, and as I said, I found it so hard to score this. It could have been 
anywhere between five and a seven and i was like all over the place for a while because i gave wrestlemania 10 a seven and that's got my favorite ever match on it but also a whole lot of nothing in the middle and then very Mm. good ladder match and a very good moment at the end of the show maybe i should have given an eight i don't know but anyway i gave it a seven this one has a whole load of nothing and a really really terrible match but the quality is in the right places it's in the two last matches the two main events of the show that's where your quality if you're going to have it, it needs to be and from that perspective it gets a really good rating because more most of my rating derives from the main event and that which immediately uh comes before the main event and not only that but actually in the undercard so i didn't hate triple h cody rhodes and ted dibiose i thought it was all right sorry randy orton cody rhodes and ted dibiose i should say i didn't hate triple h and sheamus it was okay it was okay i didn't absolutely hate the money in the bank match it was the money in the bank match which even when it's really messy and not very good is still relatively enjoyable it's never boring put it that way and then there's a cm punk Rey mysterio match which i think is very very good for what it for what's given and the cena batista match is very good back up to the main event so yeah i i but i did really struggle i was like what 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 score am i going to give this because i'm scoring it so differently to our last week's show that i really didn't know how to do it but I, I think it warranted the mixture of of responses, to be honest, because it's mm. a, it's a it's an odd one. It's a really odd show, and mm. we were there, which is always going to kind of affect our overall rating for it. I think there is nothing really, really bad about it, and the things that are pretty bad are very mercifully short. No, no, no. There is one thing that is very, very fucking um, bad about it, and I, that is I, Brett I, blo- I, blo- I blocked out. I blocked out. Sadness. That is absolutely i think possibly the worst match wrestlemania history i'm not even joking i think it possibly is given as well because some of the other matches that are really bad aren't this long (laughs) it's 11 minutes it's just oh it's awful there's one other thing i wanted to bring up which is actually the success of this pay-per-view so compare this is the lowest pay-per-view buy rate that wrestlemania received since wrestlemania 19 and the lowest it would receive until wrestlemania was no longer a pay-per-view event it was only on the network so it was about eight hundred and fifty thousand buys for this which is about a hundred thousand less than the next lowest during that period that'll be why they got the rock in for the next one isn't it oh i'm sure i'm sure and also because they had nothing (laughs) nothing Mm. left for that show but yeah you know there was clearly a drop-off at this point funnily enough wrestlemania 19 only did about 500,000 buys so it's really low in in comparison but as i say after that they pretty much all hit a million with the exception of this one and wrestlemania 25 which is the other one we went to Mm. so in terms of success we didn't go to the big ones. We went to the two in in about ten year in a ten year period, the two least successful WrestleManias. But we did get to see two of the best matches of all time yes. at WrestleMania, I think. So and, and Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels twice. So uh, exactly. So yeah. So everyone who didn't pay, well, I wouldn't have paid to watch on pay per view, but suck on those nuts. <laughs> Anyway, um, so that brings us to the end of another show. Old man, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you very much. It's been it's been nice talking about a show that we've been to. I've been looking forward to this one. Like, like people know, didn't really enjoy much of it watching it back. But all oh, the memories. Speaking of memories, always use one of them to remember. <laughs> Kenny Boy Patera, who would have made this card infinitely better. <laughs> and uh, Tom, thank you for your contributions as well, such as they were when you finally got here. Mm, cheers lads i'll offer a wank yes <laughs> me too another, he's topping and tailing today um we'll be back again next week with another randomly reviewed wrestling show but until then take care we're-
Awesome! Big show!